the morning, as you all can probably understand, I am not Brother Daniel. If you all have ever met Brother Daniel, I am not him. Uh, unfortunately, he got uh, delayed and will not be in until tomorrow night. And so uh, a couple of us kind of got roped into doing this session uh, to uh, explain how to engage with Muslims and to uh, try to share the good news with Muslims. Uh, my name is Jeff Summy, uh, and we have with us today also uh, Francis and Caleb, and they will be joining near the end to give some more explanation. Uh, I have to say that I feel very unqualified to do this. Uh, it would have been much better if Daniel had been there, been here, uh, but you get what you get. So uh, hopefully uh, we can learn something, uh, and maybe we can uh, figure out ways to be able to uh, spread the word of Jesus uh, through the Muslim community in a better way. Uh, I'd like to say that, uh, once again, I am Jeff Summy. Uh, I am a missionary to uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina. Uh, I have been there now for 14 years. Uh, the first 10 years I went there uh, to do humanitarian aid. Uh, I went by the creed of uh, share the gospel and whenever, wherever necessary, use words. Uh, however, uh, that does not work. <laughs> uh, it is good to be able to do those kinds of things, but we have to open our mouths quite often. Uh, I have been there um, the last four years, uh, been trying to do a much more engaging directly into the Islamic community, and hopefully I'll be able to share some of the um, things that I have done wrong, uh, and because uh, there's been a lot more things I've done wrong than I have done right. So that's the key point to all this is uh, we have to just uh, engage into the community. Uh, the country of Bosnia and Herzegovina uh, is uh, 45% Muslim, uh, and the state, it's broken into two states. The state that I live in uh, is close to about 70% Muslim. And the city that I live in is 90% Muslim. Uh, we have in Bosnia, we have a lot of very cultural Muslims. They draw the line at not eating pork, but they drink and they smoke. So uh, it's a very interesting place. Uh, my daughter, who spent a lot of time over there uh, growing up, came back to the States, has lots of Muslim friends, and didn't understand that Muslims don't drink. And so that was very uh, enlightening for her to say, she actually says, uh, is this Bosnian or is this Muslim? So uh, it's very kind of interesting. We also have a, a group of very devout uh, Muslims in our town uh, that actually are truly trying to follow the ways of Islam. And we have some extremists that are around. Uh, the people in Bosnia, in Zenica, that actually wear beards are the devouts and the extremists. Uh, I ended up growing my beard about uh, three years ago by accident. Uh, it wasn't on purpose, and everybody started saying "Assalamu alaikum" to me, and so it was really good because it opened up a lot of doors to be initially be able to talk to people about spiritual realms. Okay. So, um, okay. Hi. <laughs> this is kind of interesting. Thank you very much. <laughs> so I say all that, and to say that. Uh, uh, the experience that I've had with Muslims in uh, going into the community, I'm going to try to explain some of the things that uh, I have learned. Uh, I have been, been fortunate to be going through the training that uh, Brother Daniel has. Uh, it has been very, very good. It's uh, one of the most uh, um, helpful to me uh, in what God has called me to do in Bosnia. 
Uh, but uh, so we'll go with that. <laughs> okay, so uh, Luke, you are my son. Okay, so the first thing I'd like to say is Muslims aren't the problem. Muslims are not the problem. Muslims are the people. Uh, And so we are not against Muslims. I am not against Muslims. I'm against the uh, spiritual forces of darkness that keep them in bondage uh, and going into the world of Islam. So that is, to me, that's the uh, key point because every one of us is loved by God. And so they are loved by God. And even while they're enemies of God, they're still loved by God. And so our hearts uh, need to be very, very open to the fact that every Muslim is loved by God and we need to love them too. So to me, that is a very key point, uh, especially in this, uh, sometimes in this climate when watching CNN or any of these others, it brings up a lot of fear and that, you know, we need to stay away from Muslims. We need to stay away from talking about Jesus with Muslims. Uh, but uh, I have found that not to be the case. Uh, I have found the case that most Muslims are very open to talking about spiritual things as long as we approach them with respect and with love and not as a project. Um, I try to make sure that I uh, constantly am asking God to put in my heart that this is not a project. I'm not out to uh, check off a checklist on being able to reach out into the Muslim community. So it isn't the people that are the problem. It is the spiritual kingdoms of darkness that are the problem. And so we're trying to bring people into the light, into the kingdom of God, uh, not necessarily into Christianity. We want them to be able to know who Jesus is. Um, in the uh, people groups that I'm in, within the Bosnian Muslims that uh, I work among, I serve among, we have found that there have been a few things that have been very key about uh, them being able to be open and even be able to receive uh, the gospel and to understand who Jesus is. One of them is, within Islam, you're not really allowed to ask any questions. So if you're not allowed to ask questions, then how do you find answers? Uh, we've had quite a few people that we have they've sat down, we've been reading with them, and we asked them to go back and ask. Uh, we asked them to go back and ask their imams, go back and ask their uh, teachers uh, what they are, and they will not answer their questions. Uh, I have a pretty good friend of mine that said, calls it a red line that he cannot cross, that he cannot be questioning those things. Because by questioning the imams and questioning the things of Islam, you're questioning God. And so therefore, or you're questioning Allah. So if you are questioning Allah, that's not a good thing, and that you are not allowed to be able to bring up these questions. So that, that's one of the things that has been very uh, key. Uh, one of the other ones that uh, the people that are actually reading and stuff is that they can do it in their own language. As you know, Arabic becomes the language of, of Allah, and so therefore if you are reading the Quran or you are praying, that if you're doing it in your own language, it's not as good. You don't get as many points. It's not as holy. So doing it in Arabic, uh, even if you don't understand the words that you're saying. Uh, I have I had the uh, privilege of being able to sit uh, with an imam who was teaching a guy to become a, 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 a hafiz. I don't know. I don't, maybe the Bosnian word for it. It's a guy that recites the Quran. They can recite it. And he was sitting on the floor, and he was reciting the Quran, speaking Arabic. Of course, I don't speak Arabic, so I have no idea what he's saying. And he's just going very quickly with it. 
And at the end, I asked him, I said, do you understand, do you actually know what you're saying? And he said, no. So he's just repeating the words back, and the imam is correcting him when he has a problem, but he didn't even know what he was saying. And I have found that, especially within the Bosnian Muslims that I know, most of them have no idea what they're saying when they go to Juma, when they go to prayer time, to namaz. They don't have any idea uh, what they're actually saying or committing themselves to. So uh, the language barrier between uh, Arabic and Bosnian was one of the things that uh, a couple of people have been very uh, open about talking about the gospel and so that they can see that uh, Jesus is also Bosnian. Jesus, Jesus is a Bosnian. It covers all people groups. Uh, another one uh, had to do with the hypocrisy within the uh, Islamic community. Uh, the imams wear their pompous robes. They wear their big hats. Uh, they like to have the best places. Uh, it's very much uh, pharisaical on everything that you look at, that they want to have the best places. They want to have the, all the good things. Um, in Bosnia, uh, when they do funerals, they won't even do the funeral unless the people pay them. And in Bosnia, if you don't know, don't know much about Bosnia, it is a fairly poor country, a lot of poor people. And they are, the imams are building these very large houses and drive nice cars, but the people can't eat. And, but they have to pay them to come and do funeral rites, which is very important inside of Islam, that you have someone saying the, the, um, the Arabic things for the, the funeral procession so that the soul will be able to leave and go into paradise. So if they see that hypocrisy, and that's one of the things that I think that we need to be very aware of as we're talking about Jesus. We need to not make sure we're not being hypocrites too. We have a tendency to be hypocrites also. And so uh, being very open and honest and not uh, trying to hide anything, not trying to make ourselves better, then it, we have to reduce the hypocrisy in our own lives. Because I keep saying it's not about me, it's all about Jesus, and I'm not trying to make followers of Jeff. I'm trying to make followers of Jesus. And it isn't about this group that I get together, because they're not mine. They're, they're Jesus, they're God's. So those are three main items that we have seen that people have actually started asking questions, started starting to investigate, and starting to look into uh, who this Jesus is. Um, I want to say that with that... One of the things that we have to do when people are starting to ask these questions or they, a lot of times they don't know where to go. And I think a lot of times we have a tendency to not go where they are. So one of the things that uh, has been apparent in my life that in the last few years is I have to go where the people are. Um, as I said, there's a lot of cultural Muslims that don't uh, truly follow the ways of Islam. They're just uh, uh, hooked into this darkness. They're held in bondage by the other people around them. So... Uh, but they're easy to find because they're everywhere. But the question is, where are the devout ones? Where are the ones that are holding them in bondage? Because the cultural ones are too scared and too afraid to actually pull out of that a lot of times. They're afraid what their imams will say, what their communities will say. Uh, I said that I had read the Scarlet Letter, if you have ever read the Scarlet Letter, uh, and the shunning, I didn't understand that at all. I mean, in American society, if my neighbor doesn't talk to me, who cares, Right? <laughs> And so it doesn't really matter. But I understand that now in, this, in the context of what shunning is. Uh, Bosnia is not one where they're under threat of death necessarily if they leave Islam. Um, but the shunning becomes very, very great. The 
people talking about them behind their backs. The conversations stop when they walk up. People won't talk to them at all. So those kinds of things uh, happen much more commonly, and that feeling of community is completely gone. Once again, we as Americans, the, the Americans are in the group, uh, we don't care. It's individualism. I'm all about doing my own thing, and I want to be uh, outside of that. Within Islam, it's all about the ummah, the community. So the community becomes the most important thing. But I say that to say, go where they are. Um, I, I do attend uh, Friday uh, Juma on Fridays. I go and listen to the hutbah, uh, which is the sermon. Uh, I do sit in the back. Everyone that uh, sees me there knows that I'm not bowing. They always are asking me to come up to the soft to uh, sit in lines because they think I'm Muslim. But I just wave my hand. The imam is a good friend of mine. He knows who I am. Uh, we have quite, uh, it allows me to have conversations with him about his sermons so that I can talk about his sermons and the things that he's saying and how does that relate to everyday life. So that's one of the things I do. The other one is I try to find any sort of Islamic training that is going on. They have it in our country that they actually do once a month uh, Islamic uh, seminar type thing. And they bring in a guest speaker and the speaker comes in and gives them information about Islam. And so I'm just going where they are. I'm trying to find the people that are the devout ones. I'm trying to find the people that are the extremists because they're the ones holding people in bondage uh, through the fear. Uh, Of course, I say that God can do anything. He brings people out of bondage on a regular basis. There are people that are cultural that are coming out of that. And so, um, but they're easy to find. They're everywhere. Um, There is no silver bullet to any of this. Um, And each person is different. I gave you three different groups of people uh, in each group that I talk to, I'm going to approach in a different way. Um, the, the trained ones, the custodians of Islam and the extremists, uh, you can talk to them in very much about the Quran. You can talk to them about uh, actually Islam and the things of the religion. When I talk to the cultural ones, I'm probably more knowledgeable than they are. And I don't want to try to tell them what they're doing wrong inside of Islam. I want to, them to find out who Jesus is. So the conversations need to very quickly uh, come to a Jesus conversation. Um, and that's why uh, I didn't say that at the beginning, and I'm going to be a little bit scattered here, so just forgive me if I jump around a whole lot, um, is that when people are saying assalamu alaikum to me, uh, and I say alaikum assalam back, they, I very quickly get to the point that I'm not Muslim, uh, unless it's just passing and we're walking past each other. Uh, but uh, I do not try to hide the fact that I'm a follower of Jesus. I do not use the word Christian uh, because in Bosnia uh, it was the Orthodox Christians and the Catholics that were uh, killing the Muslims during the 92-95 uh, war. And so the word Christian has a very negative connotation uh, in Bosnia. Uh, I just say that I'm a follower of Jesus. Uh, so uh, they make an assumption about who I am, so I tried to make uh, be clear about that I'm not Catholic. They usually assume I'm Catholic. That's the first place they go to. Uh, but the key thing that I keep, always keep in mind is uh, when I'm talking to people is it's not about my words. I am not going to convince anybody to follow Jesus. It has nothing to do with me. It's the words of Jesus. So the, the thing that I try to get to is I don't sit down and try to have deep conversations. I do have them. But when you get to them, it's always using the word. Uh, one of the things, uh, especially with the devout Muslims that I talk to, is 
oh, your, your book is corrupt. Uh, you don't have, we have the Arabic. We can always go back to the Arabic. So even if you translate it and the translations are bad, you can always go back to the Arabic. Uh, and they don't even know that we go back to the Greek. Uh, and so those are some of the things that have uh, been very clear is that we actually have the word of God that is unchanged and is, is where it's supposed to be. But it's not going to be my words that are going to convince them. It's going back to the source. And I use that a lot with them is that I can say whatever I want. I, mean, I could say I'm the president of the United States, but that doesn't make it true. Uh, and so, and I will sometimes say things wrong uh, from Jesus' word. I will twist them. Unknowingly, I don't mean to do it. But sometimes I get some stories mixed up in my head, and so it isn't always 100% true. So the only way to confirm that is to go back to the source. You have to go back to the source. And so if they're not reading the source, then um, they're not going to do anything. Once again, it isn't me. Uh, it is about God doing something in their lives. Uh, the the uh, ones that have actually come out of Islam uh, recently, they have all had a dream or a vision. But it isn't just a dream or a vision, it just was a random dream or vision. Uh, it was one that they were already seeking out God, they were seeking out, and there had been some reading of the Gospels, uh, the Injil, and so therefore they were already in a mode where they were ready to receive a message from God. Uh, I've heard of places where people have gotten visions and dreams, and they don't know who it is, so they seek out someone to try to explain the dream to them. Uh, but that really hasn't happened in our uh, uh, place. Uh, it's been more they were already in discussion and already doing some reading uh, of the Gospels. And therefore, God came to them. Jesus came to them in a dream. And so, uh, and we just go back to Peter. You know, it's like uh, the, when he acknowledged who Jesus was, he says, well, that's great because that's a gift from God for you. Uh, that's not from anything he's heard. It's something that has been revealed to him through God. So uh, prayer becomes the greatest weapon that we have, covered with prayer, 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 prayer. Uh, we actually started doing, uh, we call it an offensive prayer because I'm pretty much an offensive person. Uh, but uh, so really trying to, talking to, to uh, praying for specific people, specific things, and for specific times. And so that we are trying to get God to, for people's hearts to be open in receiving God so that they remove the veils from their eyes and to open up their ears so that they can hear and see for the first time. These are the things that I have learned in trying to approach Muslims. Um, really, it has to do with being respectful. I was at a hutbah just this past Friday, and I got to finally hear one in English, uh, which at least was a little more helpful sometimes. Uh, but he was talking about how that they do a bad job of displaying Islam. So what do they need to do to uh, do the dawah, the spreading of Islam to the people? They said, well, you need to be respectful of the people. I said, well, okay, I can agree with that. Uh, we need not to be hypocrites. Okay, I can agree with that. He also said that uh, we need to not engage in debate and argument. Okay, I can agree with that. It was really funny because... A lot of the hoopas that I listened to in Bosnia and the ones that I just listened to, I could pull those out, replace the word Muhammad with Jesus, and put them in any Christian church. I've been very, very surprised that the messages that they are saying are very much about peace and love and tolerance and all those kinds of things. And so uh, 
th- that allows me to open up. It allows me to open up questions about: Is that really true? And so, uh, but I can't go in with a hammer and say you're speaking lies. You're speaking lies because then they won't listen because they believe that they're speaking truth. And so uh, that becomes a very key thing with the respectfulness um, and not entering into debate and just letting the word of God speak. Uh, some of the cultural differences. Oh, good. I'm going pretty long, so good. Uh, some of the cultural differences that I uh, have found, uh, one, and I've already mentioned this, is that sense of community. It is huge. Uh, I cannot overstate the sense of community uh, that all Muslims have. Um, even the ones that are cultural, that they, they just feel like they, you know, they, they'll go, I call them Easter Christmas Muslims, even though it's not that. It's, they go for the big holidays or something like that, or during Ramadan so they can wipe out all their sins from the past year. They make sure they go during the month of Ramadan. So, um, they said, but that sense of community, they have that. Uh, so, even bringing people, that we've had quite a few uh, people recently, and I say quite, when I say quite a few, I don't mean but less than five, I mean less than five. I mean, so when I say quite a few, we're not talking tens. We're talking less than, less than ten. Um, they will get to a point where they have read. They've had lots of discussions. They've asked lots of questions. But that sense of community, they cannot overcome. That they are giving up father, mother, brothers, sisters, friends, everything that they have around them. They are giving, them, giving it all up. Uh, and so that sense of community uh, becomes much more great than we can ever imagine uh, as coming out of an individualistic society. Uh, in Bosnia, we have thrown on top of that the communist uh, that was happening before the 92-95 war. Uh, the sense of the group is more important than the individual. So not only do we have the communist thinking of the group is greater than the individual, we also have Islam saying this is the only group. This is it. And so those two things become, uh, in Bosnia, very critical, but it may even be in your all situations. But definitely that feeling of the ummah uh, inside of Islam uh, is going to be huge uh, for, them, for anybody to come get over. The other one is uh, traditions and customs. Uh, we, we are a people that like to do things and like to have things that we can check off our list and say we've done that. Uh, also in coming in... You know, we, in America, we look forward to Christmas. It isn't necessarily a lot of times about Jesus. It's more about we get together with the family. It's about the custom. It's about the anticipation. It's about the celebration that's going to happen. And so uh, it's the same thing inside of Islam. They have many, many uh, different uh, holidays and traditions that they are looking forward to every year. I assume that most of you all know about Ramadan. So that becomes a very key one, and it's a large build-up to it. But months on either side are very holy to them because there's different things that are happening with the Hajj and with the uh, uh, other, I forgot what the other one the month before, but uh, their, the, their customs and their traditions become very key and very vital in their overall life. Uh, I was talking with uh, Francis's wife, Pam, and she was talking about that uh, it goes into every fiber of being. So everything they do from the time that they wake up to the, as they're walking through the day, to the time they lay down, everything is about doing things a certain way to follow the ways of Islam. When they accept Jesus, there's a loss there. It's like, okay, well, how do I put my shoes on? 
How do I wash? How do I prepare to pray? How do I read my Bible? All these things are now lost, and we don't have anything to give them because it's all about just spending time with Jesus. So what do you do? How do you... How, there is a sense of loss, not only from the community, but from all these things that they used to do. It's a complete loss. So the, the filling of the void, of course, is Jesus, and giving them the sense that they're a member of community, of the body of believers throughout the world. But sometimes, uh, especially in areas where there's not a very many believers, they don't see that. It becomes these ones and twos and threes and fours, or they become very isolated in a village that's way out, and they, don't, they lose all that. And they lose that sense of, of community. And they lose those traditions and customs. Uh, because as most of you all know, is if you go to the mosque, there's an allegiance to Muhammad. So if you've accepted Jesus, even you, if you go in and you're, uh, I don't even know what the English word is, Klanya, it's the bowing during that. There's words where they're actually saying you know, that uh, there's only one God, Allah, and Muhammad is his prophet. And they can't even join in in that. So... Uh, that becomes this total sense of loss of everything that they have between customs, traditions, and the sense community. But the overriding thing is fear. Everything is fear-based. Uh, we talk about fear in our lives and the things around us, but we're saying you know, perfect love casts out all fear. But they don't have anything to keep them out of fear. Fear rules everything in their life. So the fear of separation... The fear of God himself, that there's just, God cannot be known. So therefore, I don't even know how I'm supposed to please him. Uh, I'm supposed to do these things, but I don't even know if they're right. Uh, and so, uh, fear overrides everything. And so, the, that sense of fear is going to create everything. Fear of losing the community, fear of the traditions, fear of death, fear of ostrac- uh, being cast out. I try to use a word that's longer than seven letters and I hate doing that. Uh, but those override everything. So uh, I'm going to try to close it up because we're going to leave some time. I want them to give these guys a couple of minutes to be able to talk about their experiences too. But I want to end this with a, a thing called caution and calling. Uh, one of the things that uh, Brother Daniel uh, is very, very clear about in a lot of his training is understand your calling. Where is God calling you to? Just because Muslims are in the news, just because uh, Islam is the, the biggest uh, uh, kingdom of darkness that's around us that we see right now, uh, doesn't mean that everybody is called to that. Uh, you know, the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. But if you send the wrong worker to the wrong field, you could actually damage all the harvest. And so if you're not called the Muslims, don't go. I'm telling you right now, don't go. Okay? The, if you are not called to them and see them and love the people and love everything about them, then don't go. Okay? Find someone else that loves them and support them and help them and send them on. Um, uh, I already said this before, is that make sure that it's an invitation into the kingdom of God, not into Christianity. You're not trying to make them one of you. We, we, got, we were talking about that we have this Christianum and we have Islam over here, but we're calling people to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is where it is. So our, our traditions and our way of doing things, and even like this kind of setting, may be foreign to them. So 
uh, one of the things I try not to overimpose my westernness into the Islamic society. There are things about Islam that are not evil in and of themselves, and it's okay. So we don't necessarily want to uh, tell them that, oh, now you have to do the traditional Western model. You can have a different model, but it's about following the words of Jesus. Those are the key, key things that they need to be doing, following Jesus. Um, and the last thing is, is to expect persecution. Uh, if you are going into a Muslim area, if you're going into the center of darkness, then you should expect persecution. If you're not, I've gotten this, this I'm going to say this for myself. I'm not going to say this for anyone else because it, I don't want to superimpose anything over on top of anything. But I have recently been convicted that if I'm not being persecuted where I am, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So if I am not feeling some sort of pushback, I am not doing what I have been called to do, which is to reach out into the Muslim community. So if I'm just being accepted and everybody's saying, oh, Jeff's a wonderful guy, look at him, how nice he is, he's a true believer, then maybe I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. So uh, expect persecution. Do not go in with fear. Jesus is greater than everything else over everything that we have. It. We don't have to worry about fear. We don't have to worry about our lives. We don't have to worry about our being cast out. We don't have to worry about whether or not we're going to stay in the country we've been sent to. Is our visa going to be revoked because of this? Uh, if God wants you to stay there, then the, everything will be overlooked. Uh, but uh, personally, for my own life, I have to open my mouth and talk about Jesus. And without that, I'm just a, a typical-looking Muslim. I've seen Muslims that are much more Jesus-like than a lot of the Christians that I have met. And so, but they're still missing Jesus, even though they're Jesus-like. So, that's about all I have. Good, I really talked very long, didn't I? <laughs> okay, so I would like to bring up, uh, who wants to go first? Um, Francis, uh, i fortunate to meet Francis when I went to the Daniel training uh, in Ghana, he had been leading the uh, training there, uh, coordinating all the training in Ghana. And so uh, he's going to give you better information than me. Put that in your pocket. How are you? Uh, I just want to add, uh, my wife and I, she's sitting at beh- behind. We worked among Somalis for 10 years. Um, 1990s, and uh, I just wanted to add some of the issues. Uh, if you are going to reach Muslims, make sure you prepare to be courageous. You can't reach Muslims if you are afraid, because they live on fear. So you have to come in the opposite spirit. Don't go there and pretend you are not a Christian. They already know you are a Christian. Now I've seen many people say, you know, uh, you know, I'm not a Christian. You know, I just came here to stay here. They already know you are a Christian. If you don't go to the mosque, you are a Christian. <laughs> Whether you are born again or not, that's not the issue. So they, they have a problem of separating between born again Christians and nominal Christians. So in our case, they will say, you are a straight Christian. You don't take alcohol, you are not immoral. So they say you are a straight Christian because they don't have another term. Another thing also, you prepare by knowing the Quran. I had to run, study the Quran for myself and know Islamic theology, Islamic history, and Islamic culture. Because when you're communicating the gospel, make sure 
you communicate in their language that they can understand. So don't tell a Muslim you're born again. They think you're crazy. <laughs> don't tell them I'm saved. A Muslim asked me, saved from what? Are you saving money? So you use what he said, I'm a follower of Jesus. So you use mostly the New Testament language or the Old Testament language of someone who's committed to God. And then also know the word of God very well. I mean, read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation several times. Because when you meet scholars, they already know the Bible, so they want to confuse you. I almost lost my faith because of that. I was a missionary to Somalis, but I reached a crisis. They asked me about issues of Trinity. Jesus is not the Son of God. The Bible has been corrupted. I had to go to the Lord and ask, is this thing real? How do I explain the Trinity? And the Lord was able to help me to deal with that. Uh, Another area is prepared to minister through relationships. Like Muslims aren't just to apply what he said. Since they are a community people, you have to learn to be a community person. And the only way you do it is through relationships. Become their friend, go to their funerals, go to their weddings, go to their birthdays, be involved in the community. And sometimes in our work we will do it deliberately. We will invite ourselves. You know, here people want to be invited. In a community, there's no invitation. So if there's a wedding, everyone goes. If there's a party, everyone goes. You invite yourself. The reason I'm saying is, I know we have many Muslims in Louisville. I've visited some of them. Invite yourself. I've asked some of them when we go visit them downtown. They said, no American has ever invited us to their house. You have to invite them. Take the initiative go to the shops, take their coffee and say, Lou, would you like to visit my house? And then uh, I just want also to add another perspective. One of the ways to build the relationships, when the Lord has called you to Muslims, you have to think through the ministry you'll do to build relationships. Like for Jeff, he does sports. He organizes the marathon in the city. For me, I taught English as a second language. Now, over time, my goal was, as I shared English, uh, I prayed for all the students over that time. I left, I went away for five years and came back, and there was a Somali church. Some of my students later became Christians. The idea is you have to get a ministry that you have a daily contact with them. For my wife, in, among Somalis and in Ghana, she's a nurse. She's specifically interested in community nurse. So she doesn't like a hospital setting. She wants a community where she can talk to people directly, pray for them. No Muslim will ever say no if he's asked, can I pray for you? So you have to learn. Don't separate sacred and uh, secular. You have to integrate. If they are sick, don't just give them medicine. Pray for them. Tell them, I want to visit your house. Uh, and for Daniel, our trainer... Uh, he has a training next, year in this, uh, next week in this church. So if you want to attend, he's very good. He is, he's a former Muslim. And he's training very high level. He's called to reach the scholars. But one of the things he taught us is, in some countries, the best strategy is to train the local people to reach their own people. So in Ghana, he has trained 27 Ghanaians in the north to reach out to uh, Muslims in their community. And one pastor started seven groups in the villages. Uh, another one has planted nine churches among the Muslims. You see, there's this assumption that since we live maybe in India where there are Muslims, we know how to share the gospel with the Muslims. We don't know. 
you need someone who can train you so that we engage our people in a practical way. So I will encourage you that you need to, if you don't have any training, start reading about Islam and go to a training. Get someone who knows Islam very well so that they help you not to make the mistakes we have made. Praise the Lord. Okay. Well, <clears throat> I don't know a whole lot to say because uh, Jeff and uh, Francis have done a good job. Again, um, we are not Daniels. You've got to be at Daniels' um, session to really get um, um, know a lot more about uh, the subject that we have come here for. Uh, my primary, again, my primary calling is not to the Muslims. My primary calling is um, to a nation. I, I'm Caleb. I come from India. Uh, my primary calling is to, among the Hindus, um, that um, um, that's the predominant population of our country. But I just want to paint a picture of um, the Muslim presence in India just for you to pray and uh, seek God's intervention upon this country because uh, India has the most Muslim population in the world, third most. And uh, <clears throat> I think after Indonesia and um, Pakistan, India probably is the most uh, Muslim um, uh, populated country in the world. 172 million people are Muslims. Coming to India, uh, Islam or Muslims are the second, uh, uh, per, uh, second most, with 14% of the population who are Muslims. Um, Islam came to India about um, 7th century AD. Note at the same, Christianity came in the first century AD, 52 AD. Islam came much later, 7th century AD, but it made it rapid, rapid uh, spread uh, all across the country. I don't want to go into the history, uh, but it first came through trade, later through conquest, uh, through the north. And uh, Muslims are scattered all over. They have established uh, kingdoms, dynasties, which still continue, I mean, in a different form. The city where I come from, Hyderabad, has been a Muslim state. As a matter of fact, even after India became independent, this part of um, uh, India has remained a different entity, and they wanted to become uh, part of Pakistan. And later, by uh, uh, conquest, has become part of India. So, a lot of Muslims out there. India has all kinds of uh, manifestations of Islam, largely um, Sunni, and there are Shias. Uh, they are not very big. They are, uh, my, um, I would say, um, um, can't go into the percentage, but they are not so major. But uh, basically, they are uh, Sunnis, 
And then we also have Boras, Kojas, and Sufis. Sufis uh, had played uh, a great role in spreading Islam in India. And um, when you come to think of uh, the work among Muslims, um, there isn't much that I can talk. Uh, the only name that comes to my mind, and probably you are, all are aware, is the Henry, Mart Henry Martin, an Oxford scholar who felt led to go and work among them. He has established an institute, and there was a large work that was carried out by him. And whatever is being done is done in isolation, and there's uh, not a big whole lot of effort going among them. And yet, the need is so much. And oftentimes we think, I mean, that was my um, idea, that Muslim, Muslims are strong, they are not receptive. But then, if you approach them, if you reach out to them, uh, they are willing. The Lord is opening, as uh, probably someone of you have said. They are seeing visions, visions of Jesus, and they need people who can interpret that and lead them and connect them to Christ. I had an experience of uh, helping a brother uh, show passion of Christ on the Easter Sunday, um, uh, exclusively for the Muslims. There were about uh, 70 or 80 of them. We managed to get them. 30 of them received Christ. And um, so... But then, uh, as you see their uh, condition, Muslims are considered to be very, very um, poor, not so much educated. So they have become a property of the politicians to use them for political gains. A lot of Muslims did make into uh, limelight, but then uh, otherwise they are mostly, mostly looked down. Uh, there is always a conflict between Hindus and Muslims. Uh, Hindus right now are um, on um, what I can say is it's a Hindu regime. So they're trying to, to come very hard at not only Muslims but also Christians. Um, they, the Hindus feel that uh, Muslims are out to make India. India is a billion-plus nation. They think that they are out to convert the entire nation to Islam nation. And there are some um, facts for that, because a um, lot of money is coming from the Arab countries for the local Muslims to go out and convert Muslims, and uh, sometimes by marriage, sometimes by inducement. So that's been happening. So therefore, Hindus are retaliating very hard at them. And they have formed uh, uh, something called Garvapasi, homecoming. So they want Hindus in turn are by force and by uh, inducement. They are bringing back Muslims and Christians to Hindu fold. Right now the controversy is about beef. Maybe I will mention this and then I will stop because there should be some time for question and answer. Uh, you know, the call, uh, the... Hindus, they do not eat beef. Why? It's sacred. Cow is sacred. And then Muslims eat do not pork. So, 
what is happening now is they are accusing that uh, they have actually in several parts of the country they have um, um, a ban on uh, cow slaughter. And yet, you know, beef is uh, openly available in large pockets. Muslims do eat beef. So the Hindus are uh, attacking them. They are slaughter, killing them because accusing them that they are killing cows. So that's the present situation in the country. Um, so please pray for India. Uh, I'm very much uh, blessed, enriched, and challenged as I attended uh, Daniel's um, seminar. And I'm trying to uh, have a focused ministry among them. Pray for me and all the Muslims in India. God bless you. I think, uh, I think uh, we'll open up the time for questions. And I would uh, encourage Jeff and Francis to come on over. Yes. Is it related to? Yeah. <laughs> yes. You know, I saw a recent uh, video about uh, an imam who got converted to Christianity mm-hmm. through the Quran, mm-hmm. and uh, I wanted to touch, touch on that because, for one thing, that Muhammad appears four times in the Quran. Jesus appeared twenty-four times. So yeah. I think the whole thing came about when one of his the members in his congregation asked. Who is Jesus? So that's how we started. Yes, how could you, Francis. How do you approach them? And also when you meet them for the first time, you know, like just meet somebody new, mm-hmm. how you approach the subject? Uh, one, there, yes, there are quite a few places. Uh, I just recently asked a question of uh, my imam uh, from Surah uh, 4, uh, 171, where it talks about that Jesus is actually the word of God. Yes. And so... Uh, for, it depends on the person. I try not to point people to the Quran for truth. So therefore, uh, if, they're not, if they're not knowledgeable of the Quran, I'm not going to use the Quran to point them to Jesus. It doesn't make any sense. They don't know anything about the Quran anyway. Uh, but if it's an imam that actually knows that, uh, then there are plenty of verses that you can use. There's plenty of resources out there to be able to find on how to approach them. But uh, the key point is, is that uh, that isn't where I start. Uh, if I start there, then they just think that I'm treating them as a project. That I've already got my bullets ready, and he's got his bullets ready, and here we go. We're going to go into this huge debate. So I, I don't I, the, the Quranic knowledge that Francis was talking about and the understanding of Islam that isn't something you can use when you walk in. You can't start there. Uh, it's really more for my knowledge to know is they are explaining things. I understand their history and I understand where they're coming from as opposed to me trying to say, oh, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. Look, here's Jesus. Look, here's Jesus. Look, here's Jesus in your Quran. And so, uh, yes, I do. I've had a relationship with my imam now for a good two years before I could even approach this question. And so, uh, and it came out of something that he gave me that prompted me to be able to ask it. So it ended up that he kind of opened the door for me to be able to ask it. So, yeah, I agree. It's there. Uh, and I could talk for two hours on, on all that, but I won't. Uh, but, but that isn't where you start. That just is really not where you start. Yes. To what extent should we follow Muslim customs of modesty or food in a Muslim country? Uh, I follow the 
uh, food. I don't eat pork in, in Bosnia at all. I don't have it in my house, and I choose not to eat it. Uh, so that way, if somebody comes over, I can tell them I don't eat pork, and they, they feel free to eat anything that's in my house. Um, I had uh, one guy told me that, uh, that Jesus didn't eat pork, and so therefore, why should we? And I promptly told him that it, it's not the, uh, the outside of the cup that needs to be clean. It's got to be the inside, so therefore, but so I at least could quote out some verses to him. But so I follow some tradition. My wife does not cover because most of the people in my community don't cover. Uh, so it's only the real devout ladies that actually cover. So we don't, I don't do it. Uh, they say they've, they've been lied to their whole life. And they see him for... Just, yes. I mean, completely rejected. Um, I had one guy that actually wanted to go back to his mom and throw the Quran down on the table and say, this is, uh, I'll use the kind word, uh, this is poop. So, <laughs> uh, that's what he wanted to do. He felt lied to his whole life. Yes. I mean, this, you know, typically I'm not going to walk in somewhere and see a lot of people come to Christ and just be you know, rallying around you. Uh, I've been in this conversation with my imam now for nearly two years, and I've just now gotten to where I've actually mentioned the word of Jesus with him. Uh, even though he knows I'm a follower of Jesus, and we've had a couple things, but actually from a, di- a deep discussion about Jesus, it's taken two years uh, to get to that point. Um, nominals, you can get to it very quickly, and sometimes it'll go very quickly. I'm sorry, I didn't quite catch, catch the question. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's wrong. <laughs> uh, I, I see some things. Uh, uh, Daniel talked about this also about the insider movement and people that are actually go in and still bowing. And I mentioned that a little bit when I was talking. Uh, a lot of the things that they're saying in Arabic, even if you don't understand it, is a, a allegiance to a Muhammad. Uh, and I don't know, personally, I don't understand how I could actually be a follower of Jesus and give allegiance to Muhammad. So therefore, I don't know how you can mix the two. Uh, I think that some of their, their customs are okay. I mean, I think we've lost some of the uh, reverence of God. Um, in falling to our knees, we just walk in here, we all sit, and we're all being, having fun. Uh, but we've lost some of the reverence for God that I think that they have. Uh, the praying five times a day, I mean, how can you say that's wrong? You know, how they're doing it, yes. But, you know, we need to be called to a life of, of you know, pray without ceasing. So uh, there are some things from their cultural, the culture that are, are very biblically based. Uh, but definitely uh, the merging of the two would be a very uh, damaging thing, I, I think, for them and for the, the kingdom of God. Yes. So I was just going to ask, can you explain a little bit about the different types of head coverings that the women wear? Like, 
It's, it's, there's so much wrapped up into that question. She was asking about the hijab and um, the types of it, of just covering the head or just uh, even letting some of the hair show uh, to, uh, we call them ninja ladies, where you can just see their eyes, uh, and then the full burqas. Uh, a lot of it is personal preference. Uh, it has to do with the sect. It has to do with the husband or sometimes just the wife. Uh, I know quite a few that say their husbands don't make them do anything, but the wives choose to do it. Um, my wife actually wore the hijab for 40 days after a good friend of ours died because that's a, a um, custom that they have in Bosnia. Even for the uncovered ladies, they will actually cover up for 40 days, and my wife did too, out of respect. He was one, my best friend in Bosnia. Uh, and um, it's, it's all choice. It's really pretty much all choice. Some places are it's legalistic. I mean, I had one over here. Uh, but there's plenty of women at the mosque, too, usually. Uh, it's perfectly fine for you to go. Uh, just be respectful and understand that you need to put a head covering on when you go in. Um, my daughter goes with her friends quite often to the mosque. Um, my wife doesn't go with me because in Bosnia there aren't any women at the mosque I go to. But uh, the, especially the U.S. mosques, there's plenty. I, just be their friend. I just uh, love them with their... Nothing more than what I've, I've given here. Um, it's really just uh, coming as a learner and understanding where they've come from. Uh, educate yourself just as much as what we're saying, whether you're talking to a man or talking to a woman. Be educated and uh, find the places. and be, be open about talking about your spirituality. I mean, uh, I, I'm, I'm sorry, we're going to do questions, but one of the things that, uh, that one of our Muslim friends said is that you all don't pray. Because we're taught to pray in the closet. We don't do a community prayer. You don't pray. You don't fast. You don't do all these things. It's like, yes, we do. We just don't do it out in public. And so the, that sense of letting them know that you do pray, that you do fast, and that you are a spiritual person, it becomes very key. Okay? Okay, coming around. Here, let's go here, and then I'm going to come back to you. Yes? You mentioned how big a factor of fear was in the Muslim community. Um, would it be fair to say that most Muslims are really held, locked into their to Islam by fear rather than actual faith? For all the nominals that I know, yes. Um, the fear of everything. The, the, I mean, even the ones that are devout, there's just fear. I mean, they don't even go out in the evenings where the jinn will jump on them. And so you don't go out at dusk because that's when the jinn come out. 
And so the, the whole spiritual realm is very much more alive for Muslims than it is even for the American Christian or even for most Christians throughout the world. The spiritual realm is very clear. So a follow-up would be then, if do they realize how embedded in fear they are? And no. is that an approach to a Muslim to talk about faith rather than fear? Yes. So, th- yes, know that they don't, they don't understand how much they're in fear. And yes, it is a very good way to be able to talk to them. That's the reason why I've, the one of the points that I brought up, that the fear thing is very key. Fear thing is very key. I mean, I want to come back over here because I always put her. Yeah, I grew up in a Muslim community, and I think you're doing a great job with the beard. Oh, thank you. You talked about Imam talking about love and peace and most of the teaching. Do you think that they're hiding back the bad stuff? Yes. She asked, she asked uh, are they hiding the bad stuff? The answer is yes. Um, talk to Daniel. I mean, if Brother Daniel was here, he would say uh, that uh, it's all rooted in the, the, the bad stuff. But that's where you end up. Uh, and if you ever read the Quran, try it one time uh, reading it in chronological order, not in the actual surah order. The message changes. And so... Uh, in, uh, the, in Islam, uh, the later verses cancel out the earlier verses. So if there's a one that cancels out, and there's a lot of debate on which ones cancel out which ones, so you can't use that as a general rule. Uh, but uh, it definitely the message changes as, as I'm reading the Quran in a chronological order. I think it can be misleading to other people who don't know Islam too, because huh. if they're hearing only the love and peace and all these good stuff, they're like, what's wrong with Islam? It's as good as other Yes. Yes, and, th- and that becomes the problem, and that's where you can't lead with it starts out. I mean, any of the ones that I've talked to here locally, that uh, it's all about love and peace, and all the extremists are crazy. And it's all based on economics, and it's all based on Islam. Um, but um, I just don't get it. I, I just don't see it. As you, as you read it, uh, I read a, a book uh, by Mark Gabriel and said, take a look at the first-level disciples. The people that understand the message the best of any leader is going to be their first level disciples, the people that they're teaching directly. And so if you take a look at the disciples of Jesus, what was their message? Even though they used the word, oh, Jesus said, you to take your sword with you, and they said, oh, here's two. And they say, oh, that's showing that that's some sort of violence in there. But the disciples didn't go out and do any violence after that. It was all about the kingdom of God. Take a look at the first level disciples after Muhammad. Take a look at them. They understood the message the best, and so that would be the example. So yes, they're hiding it. They're, they're, they keep it. Okay. Did you say Brother Daniel's doing a training next week? Yes, Brother Daniel will be doing training next week. How do we find out about that? Uh, there's a website at Southeast for it. I don't know. Uh, why don't you meet me afterwards and we'll figure out where it is? Uh, okay, I'm here and then I'll come over. Mm-hmm. Um, and my experience in that university was not very pleasant because of all the clashes between Christians and Muslims at the time. But I did have a lot of Muslim friends that were women to answer the other ladies a question. And she used to tell me the Quran is, doesn't favor women. It's more about the men. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the times the, the Christian women can come from the point of the love of Jesus. That Jesus cares about you just like he does for men. He's not separated based on gender. Um, And I remember we we all read a book at the time called Dare to Call the Father about this Pakistani woman that had a dream about Jesus. And that book circulated amongst all my 
Christian, I mean, my Muslim girlfriends, and one by one, they started coming to the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, and I believe most of the time, it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Um, and I've been asking the Lord, why does he appear to Muslims in dreams? Um, and I've told people, and because I've, I've ministered to different religions, Islam is one that we, we can really, I mean, it's almost like a connection. And I think, and I don't know what it is, I'm still asking the Lord, but... Um, in that environment, I know what it is like to live around Muslims um, and about their Quran. And there's another book we read about the Quran, but I can't remember what it's called. Maybe you can help me later on. Okay. Um, about the Quran and explaining what it was for Christians. Yeah. It was a very popular book when I was in college okay. in that environment. But I was involved in many riots uh, where, <laughs> it's true, where Christians were killed by Muslims. Yeah. Churches were burned in the city. Nineteen churches in the city that I lived in was burned. Right now in Nigeria, there's a lot of fighting between Christians and Muslims, um, and they're from the same ethnic group. It's not like, you know, it's a different <laughs> ethnic group, and these are Muslims and these are Christians. The same ethnic group, the Christians are fighting the Muslims. And so that's my experience, and that's <coughs> how I view Islam. But I've also seen them come to Jesus in a, in a powerful way. And so Praise the Lord. I think it's the work of the Holy Spirit. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Do we have another question? I, I can say as long as you want. I mean, it's, if you all can get up and go to your next sessions, whatever you need to do.